was drifting away on life's pitiless sea, and the angry waves threatened my ruin to be. When away at my side, there I dimly described a stately old vessel, and loudly I cried. Ship ahoy, ship ahoy, and loudly. the old ship of Zion sailing along all aboard her seemed joyous I heard their sweet song and the captain's kind ear ever ready to hear called my way as I cried out in fear. Ship ahoy, ship ahoy, as I cried out in fear. Ship ahoy. The good commanded a boat to be lord and with tender compassion he took me on board and I'm happy today all my sins washed away in the blood of my sins and now I can say, Lord, bless Lord, from my soul I can say, bless Sinking down, knees sends merciless waves. The strong arm of our captain is mighty to save. Then trust him today and no longer. And a shout on your way, Jesus.
John chapter 1, please, tonight, as you find that and you want to stand up one more time, do it anyway, and if you don't, do it anyway. First John chapter 1, please, thank you, thank you, Anchor Baptist Church, for this blessed opportunity to be here and be a part of this service. A few times, I preach a little bit around some, and uh, don't usually get asked back much, but anyway, a few times I've been to meetings where you pull on the property and you just sense that God, God showed up and God's going to do something. So I want to apologize right off the bat for I'm, pre I'm going to preach a doctrinal message tonight. Yeah, I ain't a pre apologizing for nothing, but I'm going to apologize. It'll be, I'm going to talk to you about, about security of the believer, but I want to talk to you about something called sinning against your security. Now let's be clear about something before we sit down tonight. You cannot do anything to affect the salvation you did not deserve that was purchased for you given you the moment in simple repentance of faith that you trusted Christ as your Savior and you got saved. We are very clear, are we not very clear, ladies and gentlemen, that we understand the eternal security of the believer. Look at me. Do you understand the security and salvation are not two doctrines? They're the same doctrine. People say that. They say, well, you know, some believe in security and some believe you can lose it. Well, some who believe are losing it are wrong. And you look at me, and they got works in their salvation. Jesus did not die on the cross so you can work your way to heaven after you trust him. No, no, see, it's, it's very clear in the Bible, and Jesus is very clear. The word of God is very clear. First Peter, I'll read them to you. Stand there. We'll get to First John in a minute, so don't worry. You need to stand a minute anyway. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God. 
I said who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The moment you got saved, you were ready at that moment to be revealed before God. That's how secure you are. Then the Bible also says this. Now just hold on, give you a little scripture. I don't want to bore you too much with the Bible, but just stay with me for a minute. For Ephesians 1.13, in whom also you trusted, after that you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You got all of salvation you're going to get the moment you trust Christ. And when it tells us in the Bible that Jesus Christ died for us and paid for our sins, the Bible says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and we're going to read part of this in Scripture in a minute, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Well, how much of your sin was in the future when Jesus died? All of it. And when he died, he paid for all of it. To mess around with the eternal security of the believer is to slap Jesus Christ in the face. Step over a bloody cross, walk past the empty tomb and say, that wasn't good enough, I got to work it out. You don't work it out. Once you are saved, you are sealed, you are secured, you are ready, and you are kept by the power of God. So that people will say to us, I'll get the message, hold on. People will say to us that, well, if you believe that, you could just go out and sin all you want to. Why don't they ever ask us this question? Then why don't we? Well, if you believe that, you go kill somebody. Why don't we? They don't ask you that part of it. They don't ask you, why do you, if you know you have security, why don't you go out and do all kinds of wickedness? Why don't you ask us that question? Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. There's a lot of reasons for the eternal security of the believer. One of them for the believer's side of security is this. You will never serve God out of pure love for him until you know you don't have to. And what is the greatest commandment of all? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. You can't serve him out of pure love until you know you don't have to serve him. You you can't live for God until you know you don't have to live for God. You choose to live for God. So for your security, for your sake, it sets you free to serve him just because we love Jesus. That's why we're in church on Thursday night. That's why we do the right thing. That's why we don't kill people. That's why we live for the Lord, and that's why we live the way we're supposed to. Once saved, always saved. Now, we're clear about that. Is that right? And there's a whole bunch more on that. I preached a message on our church a few years back and preached 14, 15, 14, 15 different scriptures and belabored the point of our eternal security. I think I mentioned this the other day. man walks out the door as a visitor. He shakes my hand, says, boy, Brother Johnson, thank you. I love it when a preacher preaches. If you don't live it, you lose it. I turned to my wife. I said, I quit. you got to be kidding me, man. I just... This man got nothing out of what I just said. That's why, look at me, this eternal security thing, that's why I find myself leading a lot of so-called Christians to Christ. Because you ask them, are you saved? Whatever happened with asking people if they're saved? No, now you got to ask them if you've got an interpersonal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't even know what that means. How about, are you saved? There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus saved. What's wrong with that? And you ask him, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. Good. Tell me, when did that happen? 
And what happens? They start talking about all the stuff, and then they go, well, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And then I've, 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 I've tried to live for him and love him and do, I said, whoa, 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 back up a second. Do you think that living, living for him, loving him has any part of your salvation? Well, yeah. I said, well, see, the problem here is you need to get saved. Salvation's really simple, but let's not mess with it. Uh, beware lest Satan beguile you of the simplicity that is in Christ. A lost sinner in repentance of faith turns to trust Christ as their Savior and Him alone. They get born again at that very moment. And the moment they are born again, they are secured, sealed, and kept by the power of God, and they are ready for heaven. So if you're here tonight and you got if you got works anywhere in your salvation, don't you do it now. Don't, don't you leave this building till you come in repentance of faith and you trust Christ and trust him alone. I've led Pentecostals. I've led free will Baptists. I've read all this bunch, bunch of these folks to Christ because they got works in their salvation. Now you can come, you can get saved, trust Christ, simply trust Christ and come to be taught that foolish doctrine and it won't mess with your salvation because you're secure. But for by and large, most people, that's not the case. So let's be careful. We, so we believe in it. Say, well, preacher, what are you talking about? It's sinning against our security. I'm going to show you here. Let's look at this. First John chapter 1, please, tonight. And let's look at verse number 5. This then is the message that we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say, by the way, that all cleanseth us from all sin isn't if we walk in the light. He's just reminding you that sin was already cleansed. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Father, help us tonight. Only people who believe in security can sin against it. But I fear we do, my Father. I fear we take the doctrine of our eternal security, knowing it, and we sin against it. Help us tonight, my Father, please. Holy Spirit of God, help us tonight, I pray. And ask it in that name that's above every name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. I want to say it one more time. Nothing we do can alter the salvation we did not deserve and cannot deserve. There's no way. It is an insult, a slap in the, fa a slap in the face of Jesus Christ. He's walking past the bloody cross and saying that's not good enough. That'll send you straight to hell. But now wait a minute. See, for the vast majority of people in this room, we got that eternal security doctrine down right. So what is sinning against our security? Look at verses 6 and 7. When we sin against our security, here's what we're doing. We're sinning against our fellowship with God. If we say, verse 6, that we have fellowship with him and walk in, walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We know that our relationship is secure. We know that. Is that correct? 
Okay, now look at me, folks. Look at me. If I said Jesus is coming, everybody jump up and down. We know our relationship is secure. You're born of God. There's no place where you can be unborn in the Bible. And God claims you as his own. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. God claims you. God, God seals you. God secures you as his child. So we know at salvation, our, our, at salvation, our relationship is secure. But we also know this, our fellowship is not. And he's talking about fellowship here. But wait a minute, we know that. Now watch me. See, we sin against our security because we sin knowing that we're secure and we don't value the fact that it value, that when we sin, it affects our fellowship with God. So, so now look at me, church. So relationship and fellowship with God, which one of those two is most important? Church, both of them. See, we ought to value, we value that relationship because we know we're secure. But then if we walk in the light as he is in the light, oh, yeah. But if we say we walk in the light and we sin, we lie and do not the truth. What we're saying is, you know what? If I, I'm secure. And my, I, nothing's going to change my relationship with God. And I don't value the fact that what I've just done cost me fellowship with God. That's sinning against your security. You don't value fellowship with him. You don't treasure the fact that, yes, once I am a child of God, I walk. I can walk with God, talk with God. I can have a daily walk with him. I don't have to earn it. I get to have it. But when I sin, I think, well, after all, <laughs> I have this relationship with God, and nothing can change that, and we sin. The person of verse number 6 says they, say they have fellowship with God and yet chooses to sin. Yet when we sin, we rely on our relationship that's secured by God but don't value the loss of fellowship with God. That's sinning against your security. Yeah, I know that. Well, if I sin, but see, I know I'm still saved. Yeah, you know you're saved. Why don't we value the preciousness of our fellowship? Why don't we value the fact that that sin that, gave, that Jesus paid for, that gave us our salvation, that gave us our relationship, how can we who know that turn around and then embrace sin? See, we're sinning against our fellowship. Well, I'll just fix that later on. Yeah, yeah, you, now we're getting Catholic. Now we just go on and act. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, so hold on a second. But the truth is, see, we're, we're sinning against the fact that we know, we know we're saved and secure, but we're not valuing the fellowship that we have. It's kind of like husbands and wives. You know, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Husbands and wives, if we're not careful, we'll take advantage of the fact that we're married. And we'll tiptoe around everybody's feelings and everybody's life and everybody's actions and everybody's stuff and then turn around and mistreat one another in our homes because, after all, we're married. Can you imagine what that's like in the sight of God when he looks down and he has sealed us and secured us and he has signatured us and he has stamped us as his child and then he looks down and says, don't they value fellowship with me now? Don't they understand that's why you have the relationship is so you can have fellowship with God? Don't you and we just look down at heaven and say, oh, come on, child. Now, wait a minute. Yes, you're still my child, and I'll still love you, and I'll still care for you, and I'll still watch over you. But my child, you've turned to sin. Oh, you lie and do not the truth. What is sitting against our security? Look at verse number nine. Sinning against our security is this, sinning against our fidelity with God. 
if we confess our sins, he is, what's the next word? We're sinning. You know, fidelity means faithfulness. Now, wait a minute. But fidelity in the Bible is two-sided. God's side, our side. God's faithfulness, our faithfulness. And when we sin knowing we're secure, we're sinning against the one we know who's going to stay faithful to us no matter what. Yeah, our fellowship is affected. Our closeness with God is affected. But he'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's interesting that when the preacher told us in the office he's going to preach on John 21. I brought two messages with me tonight, and one of them was from John 21. But it was about this business of, 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 of dragging nets when you got fish loaded and you should be getting to Jesus, and it's a whole other sermon like that. But he was talking about when Jesus was on the shore in the morning. Every time I read that, I think to myself in my life, how the times when I got out of the will of God and got away from the will of God in my life and lived for Mike Johnson instead of Jesus Christ, the thing that brought me most to God and convicted me most when I got right was that he still loved me. You say, oh, well, that's good. No, that's not good. That's amazing. That's incredible that he remains faithful. Second Timothy 2.13, yet he abides faithful. When we believe not, yet he abides faithful. We're sinning against the fidelity, the faithfulness of our God because we know he'll always be there. Yeah, I can just kind of wander like all sheep and walk off, but he'll always be there. Have you ever read the book of Hosea and the Bible considered that? It's one of those books like the Song of Solomon. The story kind of jumps around in the book, and so you have to kind of read it several times to get the story of it. But here's the story. Hosea is a faithful man of God, and God tells him, I want you to marry Gomer. Not Andy and Obi and those guys. Gomer. I want you to marry a woman named Gomer. And he marries her. And then Hosea goes out every day to preach to a rebellious nation. And as he's standing on the street corners preaching to a rebellious nation, after a while, his wife goes walking by with another man. And Hosea continued to preach. Then after some period, this wasn't like one week of stuff. But after some period of time, then she could no longer find lovers. She stood on the street corner and sold herself as a prostitute. She's on one corner selling herself. He's on the other corner preaching the Bible. And the children of Israel asking Hosea, what's this all about? And that went on for quite some time. And then one day after she could no longer sell herself, she took whatever money she had and she went out and bought lovers on the street corner markets. And now the people are saying, what is this all about? You're over there preaching and here, your wife is over here, your wife that you're trying to stay faithful to. Your wife is just sold out now completely and she's selling herself. Now she's buying the lovers that she wants to have. Oh, but it didn't stop there. Some years go by and now his dear wife is on a slave market auction being sold as an old broken down slave. God goes to Jose and he says, I'll tell you what you want you to do. You go down and buy her back. You go down and buy her back. You go down to the slave market in front of everybody, and I want you to buy her back in front of everyone. And then when he buys her back and takes her home and says, you'll abide with me now, people would come to him and they say, Hosea, she cheated on you. She sold herself as a prostitute. She bought lovers. Now she's all broken down, and now you want to take her back. The people, the rebellious people of Israel, the rebellious people have turned away from the God who loved them. They say, we don't understand that. And Hosea says, this is the message. This is what we're doing to God. 
He has remained faithful to us. He never stopped loving you. He never stopped caring for you. He never stopped being your God. He never stopped loving you. And we've gone out and sold ourselves in sin. And we've sold ourselves to things that are wicked. And we've sold ourselves to things that are ungodly. Oh, nation of Israel, turn back to your faithful God. That's what we're doing. We're secure. And we rely on the faithfulness of God. Boy, you talk about the faithfulness of God and everyone's, yes, great is thy faithfulness, oh God, my Father. And we love that stuff about the faithfulness of God. But fidelity has two sides, his side, your side. And I don't think I have to question anybody tonight to know that you know he keeps his side of this thing. Is that not true? Well, how you doing? How we doing tonight? How we doing? How must God look down at us and say, what are they doing? And brought, like Hosea was brought to shame by his wife and what she did to him. But God said, look what you're doing to me. Look how you turned on me. And you know what? When God told Hosea to go down there in that slave market and bought that broken down woman and bought her and took her home and said, you will abide with me. God said, that's what I'll do with you. I will. I'll stay faithful to you. I won't turn on you. I won't turn against you. Yeah, your fellowship is affected, but not your relationship. You're still his bride. He's still the bridegroom. Oh, the sitting of our security. We rely on his faithfulness, but not ours. When we depend on God's faithfulness, but not ours. As a pastor, I've said in my office many times, watch the broken hearts of couples, whether it was the man or the woman who broke the marriage vow. And watch, I was, I was gauge how repentant the person is who did the wrong by how they respond to the hurt they've brought to this person's life. When they sit here, they'll say, well, I'm sorry for what I did, but they're supposed to forgive me. I always think, no, there's no hope on this one. Uh -uh. They're already wanting something they're not even willing to ask for, not even willing to respond to, not even willing to give in to, because they still think in their mind they really didn't do anything wrong. See, most people sin, they think the only thing they did wrong was they got caught. That's all it is. By the way, let me just be totally honest with you. I see it in men and women. They do the same thing. Oh, but I've watched them where they wronged. And they broke that vow. And they crushed their hearts out. And I've watched some where they sit there and they said, I don't know what to do, preacher, but I'll do whatever it takes to make this thing right. Whatever's necessary, I'll make it right. I'm sorry. And I hurt them. And, I, and I, I, I'll tell them I'm sorry as many times as is necessary. And I'll stay faithful and I'll do the right thing. But oh, they got to wade through the hurt and they've got to wade through the resentment and they got to wade through the bitterness and they've got to wade through all of that. And you say, well, those people should forgive. Well, let's talk about that in another vein tonight. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the one who's done the wrong. Let's talk about the one who decided to go to somebody else instead of their spouse. Let's talk about the one who didn't love that one enough and love God enough to say no and do the right thing. Let's talk about that for a moment tonight. And let's talk about, don't you see what you've done? Don't you see how you hurt this person, how you broke the vows? They loved you, they trusted you, they cared for you, and you broke their heart. Don't you see it? Then we end our day, and we have flirted with sin, fooled around with sin, embraced it, let it rule get in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our actions, and what we do, and to go, well, at least God's faithful. 
sinning against your security. You're sinning against the faithfulness of a God who will always be faithful to you. He is faithful. We sin against our security in verse 9 again, please. When we sin against forgiveness with God. Now we know this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wonderful verse, wonderful promise, wonderful premise, wonderful truth. Oh, amazing. It's got, not the forgiveness of God an incredible thing, my friend, to know you can come to God and confess. Now, confess doesn't mean go in some phone booth and tell some guy who dresses like a mother, calls himself a father with an eight-year-old boy, and, and tell him what you did wrong. He does swami, salami, all you guys in the army get off the grass, boom, and you're done. Not that kind of junk. So I don't think you got to make fun of that. I think you ought to wake up and realize yeah. how wicked that is. There's one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Not, not Dr. Reverend Wigglelips who doesn't even know what direction to put his shirt on. Not that dude over there. Yeah, yeah, we get on those boys about that kind of stuff. Oh, but then when we, <laughs> who are secure, we know, well, don't we, huh? I know if I do this, I can get my slate wiped clean. I know I can do this, and I, I know he'll forgive me. When I do it, I'm going to go and ask him, and I know he'll forgive me. That's sinning against your security because you're sinning against his faithfulness. Well, then he just won't forgive you. Nope, sorry. He is faithful and just. Faithful means he always will. Just means if he forgives anybody, he'll forgive you. So there, that's a blanket. They say, well, that just encourages people to sin. No, it encourages people to sin who realize they're going to take advantage of that forgiveness. We're no better than the Catholics. We just don't have to go tell somebody. We can just say, well, after all, I know God will forgive me. Well, after all, or I'll say, you know what? I shouldn't do this, but I don't care. I'll get it cleaned up later on. How cavalier can we be about sin? Look at me. How cavalier can we be about sin? We are sinning against the security because we sin against the fact that we know, hey, we know he'll forgive us. Say, but Pastor Johnson, then that God won't forgive you. No, he will. Yeah, later on you come and you're sorry about what you did. You, you confess. Confess in the Bible means to agree with. It comes from that word hobolego, which means the same, see the same, think the same, speak the same. You go to God. You don't do one of those, yeah, I should have done that. It's too bad. Hey, Lord, how about it? Not one of that kind of junk. You go to God. And by the way, you don't have to crawl around and rebel and everything else and weep and cry and hold on to the furniture and do the whole repentance act. You don't have to do that either. You just go to God and get honest with God. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you got honest with God about anything in your life? No, no, no. Everything's an excuse now. It's not a, if it's not a disease, then it's some kind of condition or, or it's, 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 I'm a product of my environment. You know, I can't help this. That's the way my family was, and that's the way I do it. You know, if you've ever been raised in a life of sin in your life where your family was in deep sin, you should be the most righteous person on this planet. That's Bible, by the way. Romans 6, 7, and 8. As you have given yourself to unrighteousness, now give yourself to righteousness. The more wicked your life has been, the more righteous your life should come out of that. Not the most wicked. 
See, we got it all backwards. You've been watching too much Oprah and Dr. Phil. That's what you've been doing. You're, you're, you're enabled. You, you let these people enable you because it's not your fault. After all what they did, it's not your fault. After all the way you live, it's not your fault. The truth is you are responsible for your actions. Now watch. Now when I come to God and I say, dear God, you know what? I was wrong and I am sorry for what I did. Please forgive me. Boom! You have forgiveness. Even, even when you have sinned, knowing you're going to come and ask for it. Well, then you just sin and get right, sin and get right, sin and get right. Well, you know there's a little step in between there that can kind of cause a problem. It's called chastisement. God will take you to the woodshed, bro. You understand? You keep messing with him, he'll get in the way. So you, you can sin against his forgiveness, but at some point, the God who knows everything is going gonna, is gonna to step in it before you can ask. He's going to thump your belly. started getting honest about our thinking and our living and what we're doing. See, let, let's face it. If we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But the truth is, we got to get right not only about what we've done and our sin, we got to get right about what we've done to God and come before him about that and realize something tonight. The message is very short, so let's take a look at it tonight. What do you say? What do you say? Are we sinning against our security? Are we not treasuring our fellowship and we'd rather just be safe and secure in salvation, but not even really, you know, well, I'll fix that down the road. Well, that's sinning against his forgiveness. Yeah, but God is always faithful. Then I'm sinning against his faithfulness. Sheba had her complacency in it, as did David. David had the greater. He used his authority and position and everything else in the process. And he drug a bunch of people into it. Go get her and bring her. Well, he drug those people into it. Then he got murder involved in it and everything else. So he carried the greater weight of the sin. But Nathan went to the throne and told about the lambs and the man and all that stuff. And David said, well, that guy's going to pay for his life. And Nathan said, you are right. David, uh, Nathan said that to David. She shouldn't have been, I don't know where he got that. 
she had no complicity in it until she came to the palace and they consummated that unholy relationship. Then she's guilty. Up to that point, that enchilada was on David. The whole thing was on David. But when David went to get it right, friend, David said, I have sinned. Let's stand our feet for just a minute. Sinning against our security.